Give it up for Jesus if you believe that he can still move mountains. He's still moving mountains this morning. Come on, put your eyes on God right now. Come on, whatever mountain it is that you're staring at, put your face and your eyes to God right now. Come on. The Bible says, where does my strength come from? Where does my help come from? Not from the hills, not from the mountains, not from the temple, but from the Lord. My help comes from the Lord this morning. Come on. Thank you, Jesus, for still moving mountains in our, in our midst, God. Lord, every one of us that have our eyes on some type of mountain, God, we look to you this morning. You still move mountains. Your promise still stands. You're still extending your kingdom. You're still driving out darkness with light. We thank you that the light entered the world and the darkness could not comprehend it, could not stamp it out. Lord, I thank you that we've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You've snatched us from darkness and placed us into your kingdom. We love you. We give you honor and glory for still moving mountains this morning in Jesus' name. Everyone said, come on, give it up for Jesus if you believe. He can move a mountain for you this morning. Good morning, Transformation Church. Come on, before you grab your seat, look at somebody and say, he's still moving mountains. Look at the other person and say, it's one boulder at a time. Some of y'all are waiting for the entire thing to disappear. Sometimes it's called sweat. Sometimes it's one rock and one boulder and one prayer at a time. I think that God wants to move mountains today. I, I, I'm fighting my, my voice today. Obviously, you can hear that. So y'all pray for me. Be, just uh, help me preach today. Just be with me because if I, I need help today. Um, we uh, have a lot of awesome things happening. I told you last week that... Um, God was doing some things, opening some doors for our church, and uh, I got permission to share it today. It was a, it's a, it's a go. It's on. God, we got it confirmed, and it's, it's being strategized right now. But we've been invited at our church, Transformation Church, has been invited to uh, host the tailgate for all of uh, the Knoxville Police Department and all of the surrounding uh, police uh, forces that are coming in for every home game, every UT home game. And so we actually get to set up our tents and our banners, Transformation Church banners, right inside Gate 21. And about 30,000 people will come through. And, and we'll, be, we'll be handing out uh, a, a good uh, steak, you know, steak wrap or chicken wrap or some kind of... Not, and we'll have a little air conditioning, a little generator, little seats for some of the officers. Listen, I know there's a lot of stuff going on right now in the news and with the officers and our police department and all those things. And so how cool is it that God would invite us in to be a bridge and to be a voice of love and, a, and just a hand of hope uh, to those guys. They, they, don't get, they don't get paid for those games. They actually have to work those games. And so they're not allowed to eat in the stadium or anything. They have no food. They work about an eight-hour shift there with no food. <clears throat> and so uh, sometimes faith is just saying, hey, we'll fill the need, right? Find a need and fill it. That's just faith. And so uh, here, right here, the, this couple right here, the McGowans, they, they are the ones that kind of uh, paved the way for us. <laughs> Rollins is, is, an, is an officer there. And his wife uh, really uh, helped us and paved the way with a lot of that. So just thank you for that. And we're, we're going to see just this is just the beginning. And so be praying for that. We're also going to host a big family day for them and all their kids in May. And so it's a cool thing that God's doing. <clears throat> Pray for that. We're going to jump into the word this morning. 
and uh, we're finishing or, or beginning part two of a, a Tangled series. And uh, I don't know about um, this week for you, but this week uh, for me has been a lot of, of different tangles. And so I don't know how many of you ever get tangled up in your week, you know what I mean? And so last week I kind of gave you some preaching on it and some thoughts of what can tangle us and looked at the soil of the heart. <coughs> Excuse me. And I was looking at going a couple different directions uh, for part two, and I, I had some ideas and had some ideas, and I was praying through it, and I, uh, I just couldn't, you know, I just couldn't get settled with the word, and I just didn't know, and, and so then I got this word, and I felt like this was the word for our church and for someone, and, and, and then I was like trying to figure out if that was really the word. Come on, sometimes I got to try to, you know, I want to hear God for us and for me, and, and then I was like, man, maybe this word's just for me, and uh, it's not for the church, maybe it's just for me, and so I started like like trying to prepare a different word. I was going a different direction and I'm finding, you know, finding different stuff. I'm like, I'm going to go this direction and it's not the word. And, and then, but God just wouldn't let me come off of this word. I kept trying to kind of turn away from it and God just wouldn't let me. And so I just believe it's a word for somebody. Maybe just it, it is for me, but I believe that somebody, if it's just one of you in here today, that God would not let me come off of this word for you. And so if it's for you, then this is God thinking about you, speaking to you and giving you some direction today. Tangled series, Matthew 6 20 through, to, through 24, Jesus is speaking. He gives a profound principle. He says this, <clears throat> the, light of the, body is, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, interesting contrast, single versus evil. If thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. And if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? The contrast is the single eye with light versus the evil eye with darkness. Judges 16, 20 through 22. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he woke up from his sleep and said, I will go out, out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him and put his eyes out. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza they bound him with bronze fetters, and he became a grinder in the prison. However, however, the hair of his head began to grow again as it had before he was shaven. The title today is From Eyesight to Insight. From Eyesight to Insight. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for your word. <laughs> Jesus, I thank you. You said it wouldn't return void. And so let it go out today and do what it's meant to do. Holy Spirit, use it like a weapon Use it like a knife. Use it like a surgical tool and fix and change and encourage and strengthen our hearts and lives in Jesus' name. Uh, from eyesight to insight. I, uh, I got a lot of Cuba stories right now, obviously. And so um, we were uh, flying into Cuba. We landed and uh, we were all figuring out where we were staying as a team. There was only nine of us and there was about two other churches, about 40 people or 60 people total. Uh, when we got there, nine from our group. And so um, they're telling us about Cuba and what to expect. And like, you know, literally there's someone on every corner listening and watching. And, uh, and so, you know, that makes you a little uneasy. Um, but, you know, praise God for Cuba. We love Cuba. Cuba's amazing. And, um, and so we, we, we were just a little bit uneasy. We, we get there and um, 
they begin to divvy up assignments and where we're staying. And we're staying in these Airbnbs. And so we're right on the coast, right on the ocean. And uh, there's these Airbnbs. And, you know, it's, it's a third world. And so we're, we're, like, trying to figure out. And I don't know where I'm standing. And Drew's the other guy on our trip. The rest is, oh, my two sons. And then the other, you know, adult male is Drew. And, uh, and so, you know, you're in a foreign country. He's military. Kind of want to be next to somebody that's military. You know what I mean? Um, and... Uh, so it gets late, and they're divvying out room assignments. They got our bags. We got them on the bus, and they're, dip, they're putting us, you know, different directions. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe, you know, I'm going to be staying in the same room with, you know, in the same room with him, and the kids will be somewhere, and then the, the girls will be divided up, and Drew had one of his daughters on the trip. And, and so, uh, long story, it's about 11 at night by this point, and they're just now figuring out room assignments. It's dark. They're changing things up, and they're like, everybody back on the bus. We're going to take you to your, to your little Airbnbs. And so we go, and, and I'm like, well, where are we staying? And they, they say, you three will be last, me and my two sons. You know, we're last to drop off in the dark. We're a mile and a half, or a mile from the church, a half mile from where they're staying. Right when we pull up to his place, I see the house where they're staying, and I'm like, man, I hope I can stay here with them, you know. And, and, and they're like, and you three are going to go by yourself to the next stop. I'm like, but yeah, Drew and I, though, like we're, I'm like, we, shouldn't we stay together? Because our son, like, I'm, I'm just making stuff up, right? I'm just like. And they're like, no, this is going to work. So they drop them off, and then they go about a half a mile down the road, and drop. we get out of the bus, and it's like two ladies that speak Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. We come into this house. They're banging on the door. The guy's not there. Finally, he, he comes. He wakes up, unlocks the door. He's got his shirt off. It's hot in Cuba. He's dripping sweat. I mean, just just dripping, right? I mean, just a nice little, nice little you know, belly right there, just dripping off of it. And, and he's and he starting. They're like, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. You go in, and I'm just like, my God. And I walk in. And, and, like, they told us we have to give our passports to this guy to, 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 who takes all the information about us. And I'm just, in my mind, I'm just building, fears building. I'm like, he's taking my passport. People are watching us. Uh, there's, I'm by myself with my two boys. And the room, we walk in, it's bad. Like, it's, it's a little bit rough. I'm like, oh, man, a little mold smell, but it's cold. There's some air conditioning blowing in the rooms, but not the little foyer, but you can't touch anything. I mean, I'm like, this is rough. The dude's sweating. He's like, give me your passports. We sit down around this table. Everybody leaves us. I'm around the table. My sons are in the, lo- in the little living room area, and, and it's just, I'm just like, oh, and he's just talking to me in Spanish. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, see, see. And I'm just talking in English. I'm just going in English. He's going in Spanish. My son, Levi, my oldest, says, stop saying yes. <laughs> you don't know what you're agreeing to. I'm like, you're right. <laughs> He's taking my kids' passports, dripping on the papers. I'm dripping. We're just smiling, speaking in English and Spanish, acting like we, and I'm just filling out papers and signing them. He's like, you're good. And we go into our rooms. We go to bed. And I mean, it's, I mean, it's, there's boogers on my blanket. I mean, it's, I'm telling you, and, and I get, I go to use, there's no toilet seat, somebody. No seats. I'm just like, I'm, and then so I'm just like divide in my heart. I'm seeing everything, and I'm just like, man, I got tension, and I'm like, I don't know. And it's culture, and it's 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 not comfort. It's culture. It's Cuba. It's missions. And my faith. I'm just like, I can do this. We can do this. And I'm thinking cleanliness and safety and culture and mission. I've got I'm divided in my heart, going in all these different directions in my mind. I'm like, do I run? Is this safe? Are we going to live? I, I don't like this. I don't want to stay. This is nasty. There's no toilet seats. My boys need this. It's a little moldy. Some mold's good for them. This will be good. I can take it. We can do it. It's only seven nights. Oh, my God. I had trouble staying in the Caribbean seven nights in a five-star hotel. 
Some of y'all don't judge me for that. So we stay, and, and we're there, and I get up, and we go about and three days in. I mean, it's bad. Like, I, take, I won't touch the blankets. My kids and my son starts kind of coughing from a little bit of the mold that's just blowing out through the air unit. There's no toilet seat, somebody. We're thinking <laughs> safety and faith and, 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 and culture and missions. And, and so I see all this, but I'm like, I can do it. Like, well, we got it. And then, and then about three day, nights in, it's day four, Drew and a few of the team are coming to pick us up that morning and meet us on the walk back to the church. And something just, just kind of told me to ask him to come in and look at our place. I was like, hey, man, just come on in here and take a look at our place. And like, just, just take a look and tell me, like, if this is what your place is like. And he walks in and he goes, oh, oh, bro, you got the Cuban crack house, dude. I'm like, they put the pastor in the Cuban crack house. I'm like, they, come on, man, couldn't they? And I'm just, now I'm, now, now, I'm, now I'm going, okay, wait a minute. He's like, dude, he's laughing at me, laughing at our place. He goes, this is terrible, bro. He's like, no toilet seats, dude. What are you doing? I'm like, it's bad. They're paying for that. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it, the, whole, it, I mean it, the environment is rough. And all of a sudden, inside of me, I didn't need to see Drew's place. I didn't need to put my eyes on it. I didn't need him to prove to me that it was better. I didn't need eyesight because I got insight all of a sudden. All of a sudden, the insight that came into my heart just by knowing that there was something out there that was better, I began to say, uh-uh, okay, wait a minute, we move, and I'm not divided anymore, uh, I'm decisive now, I've got some insight, I don't, need to pr- I don't need you to tell me what it looks like, I got this boldness and this faith, I got faith for the rest of my time in Cuba, I, w- I didn't give up my, my faith for just living that way in the moldy dungeon, I decided, hold on, I've got some insight, uh-uh, devil, we ain't staying in the dungeon any longer. I walked up to the director and I said, uh-uh, devil. <laughs> I said, hey, we got mold. We got no toilet seats. We got to go and we got to go. <laughs> I said, we're moving today. He's like, oh, okay, no problem. He, he moved us. We moved. We got all moved that day. Check out the view from where they moved us to. This was my view. I think we have it. That is out my door, overlooking the ocean, second story, beautiful little apartment. Everything was clean. It was cold, clean, and nice. I got, I got what God gave me this insight in order to move and become what, where he wanted me to go. Here's, here's what the scripture is telling us. The enemy is doing everything he can to, to steal your insight, to steal your spiritual vision. The Bible says the eye is the light to the body. Just like the eye gives you light to see, spiritual insight, spiritual light gives you internal guidance so that you don't have darkness on the inside of your life. The devil wants to take your life and, 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 and kind of make you see certain things so that you begin to not get insight into your, into your situation. Does that make sense? And so he'll do everything he can to make darkness come on the inside of you so that you'll actually begin to live in the dungeon. Spiritually, all the enemy has to do to stop you is kill your vision. I had no vision for better four days in Cuba, and I was beginning to get stopped. I was beginning to get hurt. I was beginning to think, man, this isn't good. The Bible says that if the eye is evil, the whole light of your body is actually darkness. And it's weird word evil there because you would think if the eye is evil, oh, like if you're looking at pornography, if you're looking at guys wrong or looking at girls wrong or you're looking at money wrong or you're looking at at the wrong motives or you don't like people, if your eye is kind of evil or suspicious, that's what we think, right? I've always read that verse and thought that. But if you look up what evil means, it actually means this. If your eye is full of labors, if your eye is full of annoyances, if your eye is full of hardships and focused on all your pressures 
and all the things that are harassing you by toils and annoyances and perils. Saying that literally the, the enemy wants to put your eye on the, on the dungeons of your life, on the toils, on the pains, on the hurts, get you tangled into the toil and, and, the, and the hardship so that your eye begins to be dark. And if the darkness in you is, is if the light in you is darkness, your whole life is dark, meaning you, you're focusing on all the wrong things. And now you've got this darkness that's tangled on the inside of you. You don't have insight anymore. And the enemy's stolen your insight, your, your faith, the internal vision that you have for your life. You can write this down. The devil wants to darken your eyesight to deaden your insight. If he can darken what you see, he can put your eyes on all the pain and all the hurts of your, of your life and marriage and problems and you're weak and, and he can get you going from a single eye. Jesus said you need a single eye. It's one heart, one eye, one vision, an enlightened vision. Jesus asked us over and over, asked people in the Bible, what do you want? When I was in that little Cuban apartment, I didn't know. Well, I, I, want, I want to do right by the culture, and I don't want to embarrass anybody, and I don't want to offend them, but I want a clean place. I want toilet seats, but, but I, don't, I don't know if I should. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Until I got insight, then I knew what I wanted. What do you want? Write it down. Make it plain so people can run with it. What's your vision? Whatsoever things you ask when you pray, whatsoever things you, what do you want? What are you asking? He says, what do you want? What's your desire? People say, oh, I just want peace. Do you know what peace is? The biblical definition of peace is wholeness of heart. One heart. One vision from God. Peace. Shalom. Shalom. The word shalom means peace, but it actually means nothing missing, nothing broken. Meaning that nothing's missing from your heart. Nothing's broken off of your insight, off of your internal vision. Nothing's missing from that, that you've got this wholeness, this peace. There's not 15 things coming out of your heart. There's not 15 entanglements that you're walking around with. Not all these hurts and pains of life. It's not what you want. It's like, what do you want? I want a whole heart. We see the enemy trying to steal our insight by darkening our eyesight. And we see it with Samson. I'm going to just share the story of Samson with you. I got a few minutes. Samson uh, we think that Delilah brought him down. The reality is we meet Samson in Judges chapter 13 all the way through 16. Uh, his life was a miracle. His mom wasn't supposed to have a child. She's up into years. And uh, Jesus comes to her and says, you're going to have a child. Uh, he's going to be a Nazarite from the womb, unheard of from the womb. Um, and so meaning that he was predestined with a purpose and a vision for his life from the womb. Predestined with, with one heart and one vision from God from the womb. Predestined and predetermined to have vision to set God's people free. To have this purpose to be a judge over Israel and set them free from captivity. The people of God had been in captivity under the Philistines for about 40 years. And so God brought Samson onto the scene. And uh, Samson shows up and everything's going well in his life. And uh, we think that everything was going well until Delilah. That's not true. Things began to get... Uh, problematic before Delilah, and we think this story is a story about lust and sin. It's not. The story is way more than just lust and sin with this woman. And if you think it's just about Delilah and lust and sin, we, we, we miss the point of the story. The reality is it's about a man who's been hurt. It's about a man that has vulnerabilities. It's about, it's about uh, the insight and, and, and that, he, that he had and, his, and the eyesight of things that he walked through, and he got tangled in some stuff. Um, he is going well with life. He gets... Uh, he falls in love with a Philistine woman, and um, his parents didn't like that. This Philistine woman caught his eye. It says he loved her. He wanted to marry her. He said, Dad, go get her for me. And the father said, could you please find a different wife? I don't want you to marry her. Marry somebody from your own kind. Anybody ever had parents that acted that way? Come on. Still facing the same types of divides and, and tensions and racial injustices as we, as we were in the Bible. 
And, 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 and actually, the Bible says that Samson's parents didn't like her because it wasn't of his kind. And so she, she, they said, no. Can you imagine the hurt that that caused in his heart in the relationship with his own family? And the pressure on him to be a Nazarite from birth and to be perfect and not to cut his hair and not, not, to, not to touch anything dead and not to drink any wine. I mean, here, here's this guy. He's set apart from birth. I mean, it's a lot of pressure on him. And so, and the Bible says his parents didn't like this woman. But the Bible also has this word that says, but it was God's will he married her. Because he wanted to irritate the Philistines. And so he, he, he begins to go through the, the week-long celebration of marriage. And at this point, they're married in the Jewish culture. And so he marries her, and, and they're in the Philistine land. And he gets about 30 men and, and, and people that come from the Philistines to celebrate. It's a week-long celebration. They have not consummated the marriage yet because that's at the end of the week. And, um, and so they're partying. They're hanging out. He tells the, the 30 Philistines this riddle. He says, if you can solve my riddle, many of you know the story. If you can solve my riddle, then, then you can have 30 pieces of clothing. But if you can't solve it by the end of the week, you owe me 30 pieces of clothing. And so they can't figure it out. And so they get upset and they start asking his wife, what is it, 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 what is it? They're pressuring her over and over and over on what it is. And finally she tells them, they come to him, they tell the riddle. And, and he says, if you hadn't messed with my wife, if you haven't tried to, you know, got my wife on your side, you wouldn't have known it. So he gets ticked off, gets a little angry. Spirit of God comes on him and he goes and kills 30 other Philistine dudes, takes their clothes and goes and gives it to the 30 guys that he owed for the bet. Come on. It's starting to go a little bit south with some anger. <laughs> when that happens, um, it, it obviously causes a riff in the family. Um, and they want to kill his wife and his, her father because they, she told him and all this happened. So there's drama in the land. In verse 20 in chapter 14, it says this. And Samson's wife was given to his companion who had been his best man. After a while in the time of wheat harvest, it happened that Samson visited his wife with a young goat. And he said, let me go in to my wife into her room. But her father would not permit him. Her father said, I really thought that you thoroughly hated her. Therefore, I gave her to your companion. Is not her younger sister better than she? Please take her instead. And Samson said to them, this time I shall be blameless regarding the Philistines if I harm them. The love he had for this woman, he had protected her. He had fought for her. He had gone against his family for her. And all of a sudden, she gets given to his best man. He goes up, shows up to consummate the marriage, brings a gift saying, hey, baby, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to kill 30 of your family members. Here's a goat. (laughs) I guess. And and the dad's like, hey, we thought you hated her. We we gave her to your best man. Can you imagine his ego, his his, his pride, the hurt, the pain, the stuff that got on the inside of him from that moment? You can figure out he got a little bit tangled. Come on, somebody. You ever been tangled? And then he says, hey, don't blame me for what's about to happen. Some of y'all have gotten so hurt. And you're so tangled up in pain and things that happen. You go, don't blame me for what I said. Don't blame me for hurting everybody around me. You can't blame me for what's about to happen. Come on, I've been hurt. It was then. And so we carry this hurt. So he sends these 300 foxes into the field. Now he's operating out of pain and hurt. He's mad at women. He's got these issues in his heart. He's tangled up. And he's, he's leading with this wandering eye. He's got, he, obviously we know the story for 20 years, but he gets harlots and prostitutes. And he's got this wandering eye. But his wandering eye isn't, isn't just about lust and sexual things. His wandering eye is that he keeps looking back to things that he should let pass him by. He, he, keeps, he keeps looking at stuff where he got hurt and offended and the pain of his past wife situation. And he keeps looking at that to lead out of that with aggression and anger and bitterness. And he should just be letting that pass him by. 
Many of you have this wandering eye and me at times as well where we should be letting things pass us by, but we keep putting our eye on it. And every time God wants to do something in my life and your life, the devil will put that thing in front of your eye. Remember what they said. Remember what happened to them. Remember what you did. Remember what they did. And this wandering eye keeps us out of the purpose of God. It's not just sexuality. It's irritation and annoyance and maybe turmoil or things you've been through. And now you're trying to prove something out of your pain of your past. I had a young man one time, he came to me, he'd been molested at 10 years old by a male babysitter. And he said from 10 to 25, he did everything in his life to prove he wasn't homosexual to himself. Slept with every girl he could. Did everything he could to prove to himself. Some of you are fighting out of a past hurt, trying to prove everything you can. That that didn't define you and your heart's been divided. Samson's fighting from this divided heart. Here's what you need to do when your heart gets divided by a hurt and you're looking at it. You need to pray to God. Say, God, give me one heart. Give me a single heart. Give me a single eye. Give me one purpose. Get me out of anything that's tangled me, that's keeping me out of my purpose because of pain. You got to quit looking back, guys. You got to quit looking back. God's saying some things to you. you Do you know the message, the first message from heaven after Jesus had risen from the dead? It was to Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha show up and they're carrying spices and they want to anoint the dead body of Jesus at the tomb and they carry these spices to go anoint him better. They don't know how they're going to roll the tomb away and they show up and the angels speak to them from heaven. The first message from heaven to mankind is this. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? And here you are come to church carrying all your spicy self. (laughs) Acting like you're here to anoint Jesus. When you're still just rehearsing the hurt and the pain and the wound and the things that are dead. And God's saying, why, why, are you, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Come on, he is risen from the dead. He is alive. There's things that you can focus on. Get your eye on the things that are living in the things of God. Does that make sense? Come on, anytime we keep looking with the, at the dead things, the enemy's trying to put out our eye. And so the enemy gets a plan. He gets a plan to, to take Samson down. They hired Delilah. Samson's born with one vision, one purpose from God, predetermined to deliver God's people. And now this, this tangled division in his heart has him miserable. He's, he's with Delilah, but he's, he's miserable in his heart. Tangles are things that will keep you out of your purpose because of past pain. I, I don't know what it is that has you tangled, but you're talking to your wife but you were really hurt by your mom and so you don't have any real love for her and she can sense there's a barrier because you're still tangled when your mom left you at a certain age you're talking to your husband but you're really still tangled up where your dad abused or hurt you and so you can't trust your husband whatsoever and so he can feel that you really don't trust him in any decisions you made because you really are still tangled with your father You want to give your kids something better because you grew up in pain and poverty and pressure, but out of your heart to give them something better, you're not really encouraging them. You're just pressuring them. And now you're building a bigger wedge and a bigger tangle in their heart. Do you know what I'm saying? You want to get advanced in your career, but you have a problem with your boss because you were hurt by an authority figure in the past. And so now everything you do to get advancement is through proving to others at an arm's distance that you're worthy. I just think sometimes we get tangled up and we begin to try to fight out of those tangles. We heard it this morning. We can't fight that way. The enemy wants to kill our vision, so Delilah pulls him aside. He loved Delilah. The Bible says this, that he actually loved Delilah. He wasn't lusting after Delilah. It says he loved her. She loved money. He loved her. 
She begins to ask him, what's your strength? What's your strength? What's your strength? And what, what are you doing? And, and there's, this, there's this soul tie. I mean, it's, it blows my mind, the vulnerability of Samson. You can't understand the level of vulnerability until you understand the level of his hurt with his f- first marriage. I mean, I mean, he's laying with someone that's trying to kill him. He keeps laying down with her over and over and over, and he knows that she's trying to kill him. I don't understand that, like, how do you lay down with something that's actually trying to kill you? Well, he's saying, I'm not going to be the fool again. I'm not going to get left again. I'm not going to go through this again. I don't care if I've got to walk away from God. I don't care if I've got to leave God behind to get that behind. It's okay. Some of y'all are leaving God behind to get some other kinds of behinds. Don't blame me for what happens, man. He's just, the enemy's trying to kill him. And he knows it. Man, what are you, what are you laying down with that's trying to kill you? Man, we should not let anything kill our vision. What are you, what are you letting into your heart that's trying to kill you? What bond do you have with something? Write this down. Hurts that don't get healed will eventually try to kill you. The problem is Samson thinks he's strong and thinks he can handle it because he's got the outward strength. Some of you think you're so strong. There's the strongest thing some of you could do right now is admit that you can't handle it and run. Admit you can't handle that fight. Admit that you can't handle that thing. You, don't, you do not have to declare your heart to everything that tries to hold your hand. Stop giving your heart to everything that wants to hold your hand. Here's this thing that's trying to kill him and take his life. You've got to run from some of these things. I'm telling you, don't give your strength to it. She wants his strength, not his hair. Verse 15 says this, Delilah says, how can you say you love me when your heart isn't with me? She wants his heart, not his hair. The power's in his heart. We think it's his hair. The hair was just an external sign of a covenant with a heart to God, with a vision to God, with a oneness for God, with a purpose for God. His hair is just a sign of that. When she got his heart, she got his hair. The Bible says he told her all of his heart. He lost his strength. And he goes out to fight like before. And he didn't even realize that the enemy had departed, that God had departed. And they put his eyes out, rip his eyesight out. That's what the enemy wants to do to you and I is to get our eyesight with the situations and the things that we see, not just for that, but to get to our insight, to get to the internal vision and the purpose that God has for our life. Verse 22 is an amazing verse. and I'm almost out of time. It says this. It says that however, however, come on. Some of you've lost some eyesight and some things have happened. You've lied down with some enemies. You've laid down with some enemies and you've been tangled in some stuff, but God's here to give you a however word this morning. However, however, the hair of his head began to grow again. He's in prison. I mean, think about it. He's down there with no eyesight, grinding out in the prison that the enemy had put him in. No vision for his life. You and I were never meant to grind it out in the prison of life with no purpose or vision. You were not meant for that. You were meant to have a vision on the inside of you from God that you fulfill. And here he is with no eyesight. He's in prison. He's grinding away, but his hair begins to grow back. I can imagine he reaches up and feels some hair. He's like, wait a minute. The covenant is in my heart, not my hair, but my hair is growing back. God must be still with me. Something still happening in my prison something's still happening in my heart wait a minute my hair's coming back I want my family back I want my sobriety back I want my purity back wait a minute I want my vision back I want my life back hold on devil I want some stuff back 
you would think that the enemy would have checked up on his hair because they cut it off if the strength was in his hair wouldn't they have shaved his head over and over and over but the devil didn't realize that it was God in his heart and that the trials and the prisons that you're in are usually the fights that grow your faith the most could it be that you don't realize the prison you're in right now is making your faith stronger his faith didn't grow in the cathedral. His faith didn't grow in the prayer line. His faith didn't grow in the church. His faith grew in the dungeon of hell where all of everything had abandoned him and he's having to rely on faith. He can't see anymore. And I'm just here to encourage you. Like, yeah, the devil might have put you in prison, but you need to remind him, you know what? That's okay. That's okay. You put me in this prison, but you didn't realize faith goes with me into the prison. You didn't realize faith goes with me into the hospital. You didn't realize faith goes with me into the divorce. Faith goes with me into that addiction. You didn't realize, devil. The devil usually doesn't realize that your faith grows the best in the biggest battles. And so he puts you in these prisons, and then all of a sudden you begin to get insight. You need to tell the devil, I thank you for my prison because I, now that I have no sight, God's given me insight. Sometimes God has to take you from eyesight to no sight to give you insight. And you begin to realize that you're growing. I'm out of time. The Philistines get together. There's about 8,000 of them, and they begin to want to mock him and make fun of him. They grab Samson. They bring him out of the, the prison. They say, let's make him dance for us, and let's mock him as they're drunk and they're partying. You know, sometimes you don't even realize you've grown in faith until the fight comes back to face you again. You don't even realize how strong you are until the things come to mock you again and make fun of you again. And something inside of you rises up and says, uh-uh, no, no, no. I'm not going back to that way of living. I, I, I'm not going back to that prison. No, 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 no. I'm not. God, give me vision one more time and I'll give you my life, oh God. And they bring Samson out and he can't see. He has no sight, but he's got insight. He looks at this little boy with no sight. He's got insight. He says, hey, young man, little boy, you're leading me. Would you just put my hands on the pillars? Just get my hands on the pillars. And he takes him and he leads Samson over to the pillars. And Samson puts his hands on the pillars as they're mocking him and making fun of him. And he says, oh, God, I don't have any sight, but I want to give you the rest of my life. I know you've grown my faith. I've got it back. I know I've got purpose. I've got eternal sight, internal sight, internal vision now. And God, I want you to use me. And if you just give me strength, I'll kill the rest of them. I'll fulfill my purpose. I'll push these pillars aside. I've got my hands on the structure of it, oh God. If you've got faith enough to put your hands on the structure of the thing, God's got strength enough to tear it down in your life. Whatever's mocking you, whatever's ridiculing you, whatever's been built to mock and come against you, whatever you're tangled in, come on, you've got a new faith. Just push on the pillars. In Jesus' name. And I promise you, it's got to come down. It's got to topple. It's got to fall this morning. I'm here to encourage somebody's faith. Someone here thinks you have no sight. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know what's next. I'm stuck in this little moldy dungeon with no toilet seats. Oh, God. You don't need eyesight. God wants to give you insight. And as he drops insight into your situation this morning, your faith is getting stronger to push on some pillars by faith. Come on, the kingdom's inside of you. Begin to push on your marriage by faith. Push on that addiction by faith. Push on whatever's mocking you and trying to take your insight. It's not too late. It's not too late. Samson said, God, if you'll give me one more vision, I'll give you my life with it. Come on, God's just looking for you to give him your life to instill the vision that he has for you. Some of you are so divided. You know, in chapter 11 of Hebrews... 
They bring Samson back out and talk about him. Do you know not one of his mistakes was recorded? Only his faith. Last thought, God doesn't record your failures, guys. He records your faith moments. Some of you are so worried about your failures and God's saying, I just need you to grow in faith. I just need you to push by faith. Stand with me. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, thank you for taking us from eyesight to insight. I don't know what type of prison is mocking someone or what type of tangle is coming after somebody's heart this morning. I don't know what type of hurt or pain their eyes been wandering to over and over. But we're going to look for the living, not amongst the dead, but amongst the living. You're the one that raised from the dead. Jesus, you're the one that has life. No one looking around. If you're here this morning, you say, you know what, Pastor? I need insight. Jamie, I, I need, I've lost some sight. I, I, I had eyesight but I lost it. I'm in a situation. I don't know the future. I don't know what God has. I don't know where to even turn. I I don't, and I don't have sight right now, but I'm hearing you today. I need supernatural insight. First Corinthians two says it's not by what we see or by what we hear, but it's been revealed to us by the Holy spirit. I need God to reveal to me some insight in the middle of my battle right now. I need prayer. Pray for me. If that's you, no one looking, just put your hand up to me. I need insight this morning. Across the room, God, we need insight. We don't want to hold on to eyesight when we can have insight. And so, Lord, no matter what it looks like, we walk by faith and not by sight today. I pray that individuals would be strengthened in faith today like never before. That whatever pillar or whatever structure has been built against their life, they know what it is. They would leave this place with insight and push by faith to push the enemy back and to rise up in vision again. If you're here this morning, you say, I I just need Jesus. I've never surrendered my life. I want to tell you this. The only internal insight we get is through Jesus. He's the only one that makes sense out of this painful, hurt planet. And so often we're trying to go by our eyes and make sense of this planet and the hurts and pains and the things that we've been through. People say, well, if Jesus is good and running the world, then why is there so much pain? Jesus is not running the world. The enemy is. Jesus only runs our hearts. And if you want insight and you want an internal vision for your life, not a pain-free life, but a purpose-filled life, that's surrendering to Jesus. You can't do it on your own, but if you were here today and you just, you'd say, you know what, I, I just need to surrender. I'm tired of leading my own life. God wants to give you some, some insight, which is ultimately a relationship with heaven, a relationship with a good father, eternal life, internal life. God wants to give you his life today. He went to a cross, took every tangle, took every sin, took every bit of shame, guilt, pain, took it all to a cross so that you could live with life in your heart and eternal life. No one looking around, I'm not going to embarrass you or bring you forward, but if that's you, if you say, you know, Jamie, that's me. I've got to surrender. I need, I need Jesus. I'm ready to have a fresh start with God this morning. I'm going to count to three, and I'm just going to ask you to put your hand up to me, and I'm going to pray with you. No one's looking around. I just want to pray with you. If that's you, one, two, three, just put your hand up to me right now. Come on, God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. Anybody else? I just need a fresh start with God this morning. God bless you, sir. Come on, God bless you for your boldness, man. Father, you see our hands. You know our hearts. I pray right now, Lord, every hand that went up, Lord, fill their heart with the Holy Spirit power. Lord, let them know that you're in charge and that you record their faith, not their failures. And today's the greatest faith step they just took, saying yes to the one that's alive. They'll begin to look to you, Jesus. Give them life. Give them faith. Give them direction. Remove all sin and shame and guilt. Let them know that they have a relationship with you by faith. We raise our hand to you, Jesus, today by faith. Thank you for the insight from the Holy Spirit. 
No matter what's going on around us with our eyesight, Lord, everyone that raised their hand, I pray they'd walk out of here with insight knowing that they're your child for the rest of their life. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, give God praise this morning. I hope you go from eyesight to insight today. I hope this helped you. If it was just for one of you, then I'm happy.